Good morning, good morning everyone. Um, my name is Richard Brand. Um, I'm the, uh, the co-chairman of the corporate department at Kedwalader, Wickersham and Taft. Uh, we're, it's a law firm uh, based in New York City. Uh, we are the oldest law firm in the United States and we have a uh, long history serving clients in the, uh, in the shipping industry, uh, in, uh, in this, uh, public companies, uh, M&A, private equity, uh, white collar, FCPA, uh, and uh, bank finance. Uh, it's a pleasure to moderate this morning's uh, panel. We have a uh, quite a distinguished group here. Um, starting uh, starting to our right is, uh, is Harris Antonio, CEO of Amsterdam Trade Bank. Um, to his left is uh, uh, Mr. Jo uh, Joep Gorgels, uh, who is the global head of transportation and logistics at uh, ABN AMRO. Uh, Michael Parker, uh, the global uh, industry head for shipping at City. Uh, Kristen Holf, uh, who uh, heads the uh, Ocean Industries Group at, uh, at DNB, uh, DNB Bank. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Christian uh, Nieswatz, who's on the program, uh, was un unable to join us due to weather, but he's going to be joining us later for Posidonia, so he should meet, make his meetings with you. Uh, and uh, and from, um, from NordLB, we're joined by uh, Claudia Herman. So we have a terrific group here. Um, okay, Vasilis, okay, Vasilis, apologies. He, he's here in spirit, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm here in his place here. Yeah. Terrific. Well, let, let, me, let me start. I'll direct a question to, uh, uh, to Harris. Um, on, on the recent downturn and, uh, and recovery, uh, do you believe that the, that the traditional shipping banks have, uh, have had contributed in any way to, to the prior downturn? Um, and, and if so, are, are there any lessons learned or what lessons were learned from the perspective of a lender? Um, and are there any steps that uh, are being taken to avoid uh, to avoid a repeat from the from the perspective of the, sh the traditional shipping banks? I don't know why I have to go first, but uh, <laughs> it's, there's been um, there's been a long discussion, and actually, it feels like a deja vu to hear this question because the reality is that um, um, banks have been accused for lending too much money in the past, or even now. They've also been accused of not lending enough money. So it is a bit of a, a dilemma that banks face every time when they have to deal with these circumstances. Do we lend or do we not lend? And if I ask the audience here, should we lend or not, I suppose the answer would be yes, you should go ahead with it. Um, we've seen cycles. I think this is what an economic cycle really uh, is. Uh, and you have a number of participants in the economic activity behaving the same way. It doesn't only happen in shipping, it happens in every industry and you have cycles of overcapacity that um, in fact, if you think about it, also create the opportunity for the early entrance in the cycle. So the fact that banks perhaps lent a lot of money um, at what used to uh, be the peak of the cycle is also what contributed to a lot of fortunes being uh, created, I suppose, on behalf of the ship owners. On the other hand, the reality is that they've also been hurt, and I think the secret to um, avoiding that, if there is such a thing, is not to put all your, your eggs in one basket and um, 
be very close to the market and try to restrain yourself from, um, in fact, um, going overboard when, um, when uh, the things are going well. And one way, one way of doing this is actually not to depend on one set of economic activity uh, for your bank or for your institution um, uh, that allows you actually to have the luxury of stopping when, uh, when you have to. And I think in uh, our past uh, uh, lives, in various uh, disguises, um, we've learned uh, from, that, uh, from the mistakes uh, that a lot of us uh, made. Uh, and I hope that this is not going to be repeated, but um, human behavior never changes. I'm sure we're going to have cycles again. And I'm sure that money will come back into the market. Uh, but it's going to take a while this time, and the reason for that is probably regulation, but I think we're going to cover that later in the uh, discussion. The next question is for, uh, uh, for Joette. Um, on the current state of, of, uh, of bank lending, we've, I've heard uh, the, um, I've heard it been described that obtaining uh, traditional bank financing in the shipping industry for, for owners and for other participants in the shipping industry is somewhere between um, uh, hard and impossible. W where do you draw the line between hard and impossible? What are the criteria that you look at as a lender um, to, you know, in, in making loans, in, in providing refinancing uh, in, uh, in, a challenging, in a challenging market? Um, I guess this goes to the question of what were you know from, what were the lessons learned from the last cycle and uh, and how do you yeah. apply them in your in your lending criteria? Well, I think um, coming back to the earlier question, um, I would like uh, to echo Harris' uh, comments. I think um, banks are not ordering ships, but in the end, or owners are ordering ships, and we we tend to lose the. Um, the, the balance that, that needs to be there between demand and supply. Um, um, I think in the end, not enough equity came into many of the projects and too much leverage was, uh, was, was provided. Um, also because uh, of competition of traditional shipping banks, um, but also the abundant availability of export finance, other structures like, like bonds, Norwegian high-yield bonds has, has been very instrumental in, 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 in much money flowing into the sector, including the, um, the private equity money that jumped, on, jumped into the sector um, the last <coughs> eight years. Um, I think now it's time for the traditional banks to de-risk and that's also given in by regulators, by BAL4 coming up, IFRS 9, which, um, which shows that the cyclicality of our industry will also be shown in the results of, uh, of, of bank financing portfolios and that is a, a, a thing we want to avoid. Um, if we look at if we look five years ahead, we have already been uh, de-risking, and um, we um, we do projects way different than before. Um, we're looking at more event-driven transactions, 
that really add value to our clients and to our prospects. Um, not only balance sheet, but also advisory and, and private placements, for instance. Um, yeah, and then we still look at the same things as, as always. We, we look at the quality of the borrower, the track record, the quality of the assets, the contract, the employment. Um, one thing to add there is we more and more look at the sustainability. And our bank is in particular very interested in the um, energy transition and to help clients um, uh, retrofitting their ships or ordering more sustainable and less greenhouse emissions um, um, projects. So I'll leave it at that. Well, thanks. So, so we're hearing quality of assets. Uh, we're hearing, you know, how much equity is in the company. This, this is for um, for Kristen. Um, are there other uh, are there other factors? Is there, you know, quality of management, public versus private, secondhand versus new build? Does it, um, or is it, is it really just, is it the asset and the balance sheet? I think I will answer the question from a different angle and to say that uh, the question we raise is where do we as an institution add value to the client? How can we be an advisor in a way not just for the lending and how can we in this institution put the right money on the table in the right situation? So it's first of all the company, management, owner that's where you make your first choice. Are they industrial? What is their business? What is their strategy? What is their financial strategy? And where can we make, where can we make sense to be a partner with them? Then you look into the assets. So I, I start in a different, on a different way than just going into the, to the assets. Thanks. Um, on, on fleet size, uh, and this, I, I guess, uh, I'll, di I'll direct this question to, uh, uh, to Vasilis uh, on fleet size. What, what can banks do uh, to help prevent fleet overexpansion in the next cycle? Um, do, is, there a, uh, is there a bias in lending uh, uh, against um, lending towards new builds? Well, I think clearly it's, it's, it, it is a everyone together a, has has created last time around the the over expansion on the fleet side. So um, owners that were extremely keen to order and banks that were you know provided extremely cheap and in very large uh, amounts uh, capital, which 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 was used in that way. So I think it, it will be a, a joint effort in, in, in trying to avoid that. At the same point in time, um, you know, there, there is the element of uh, fleet renewal and everything else. So I think City uh, is definitely a, a, one of the institutions that has, we have always been very vocal in terms of um, that, that ultimately ordering should be uh, done in a in a way that is designed to fit, of course, the, the the fleet of the corresponding owner. But at the same point in time, over ordering completely on um, 
without any charters or without any sort of just just on the back of uh, a potential a potential expectation of the market being better uh, by the time the vessel gets delivered is definitely not something that uh, that we condone nor do we uh, want to support thank you um, it, it, there was mention um, in one of your responses about uh, about alternative sources of traditional uh, uh, traditional bank uh, finance uh, for, uh, for for shipping companies. Um, there's been significant upheaval just generally in the uh, in, in the in the traditional uh, shipping bank space. A number of banks have pulled out of the industry altogether. Uh, and, uh, and, and a number of the, sh the shipping banks have reduced their portfolios and exposure to the, uh, to the industry. Um, in that, into that void, some new entrants have, have entered. You've had some private equity investors on the equity side. You've had uh, private investors investing in, in uh, lending, particularly in distressed situations. Um, but you also have, uh, you, you have uh, lessers, you have um, uh, new new banks uh, from from regions like Cyprus and the Far East uh, entering the shipping space, uh, and um, and I, I guess the question is, you know, which of those players do you think have most effectively uh, filled the void um, created by the departure uh, of some of those traditional shipping banks, and, and do you think that uh, the entry of those those uh, new participants? Uh, will be permanent? Do you think that they'll be focused on specialized situations such as distressed, or do you think that they can be a competition to um, uh, to the traditional banks uh, as uh, as as lem lenders of uh, first resort? Poor. I think this is really a long question, and uh, I try to cut it brief because I refer. Aristides Peter's description of that in uh, container shipping we have a two-player system. The one is the container liners and the one is the uh, tonnage providers and I think the same applies for the banking system. There are the ones who banking the corporates with own access to freight and an integrated business model and we have the traditional shipping banks who are lending against the asset and a certain employment. Um, the additional player come out of the market private equity funds, uh, leasing in all countries, private bond placements, public placements, IPOs. I think this is a such variety which matches perfectly all the shipping segments. So, I believe any owner might find his financing source, but at a, dif at a different price. And uh, we were thinking about the fleet size. And of course, a small family traditional owner can have not the same price level as a large corporate, which offers to the bank cross-sell, um, etc. So I think we need to be more diversified. And um, I'm a strong believer that there is enough funds in the market to support the industry. Okay. Yeah, Harris, if you want to add, it looks like you want to add something to that. Yeah, well, please. Um, I think it's an interesting question. And 
I've been struggling with it as well for some time um, because I don't know, you know, obviously there's a vacuum as we all know in the industry. There's about 100 billion that came out of the total stock of lending to the sector. Um, the banks are less willing to lend generally for a number of reasons. Is the uh, alternative finance going to fill the gap? We've seen some of the uh, Asian houses, leasing houses, Chinese banks filling some of the gap. A lot of it is related to uh, new buildings. But the gap that is there for the second-hand uh, sale and purchase market is not going to be filled easily. And I just don't believe that the alternative finance is the solution simply because it's far too expensive. And I think the model of you know, charging more than 10% um, uh, in, um, uh, of, of interest rates um, for lending um, against an asset uh, just simply cannot be justified by the fact that the industry, the shipping industry, over the cycle has been producing returns of around 7%, as we all know. So it is actually very difficult. You need to get the cycle absolutely right to, in order to be able to pay you know, the very expensive cost of finance that these alternative funds uh, provide. I'm not saying that it cannot happen, but I'm just saying that it's not a solution in the long run. And I firmly believe that still today, banking for the next, for the foreseeable future, is still the way that the industry is going to be financed, um, simply because banks perform also a different role in the economy. They create um, um, liquidity, which is something that no other form of financing is able to do. Everything else is just recycling liquidity, which is in the market. Banks create liquidity because of the leverage that they're able to put into the system. So I think it's still um, the method of finance that's going to uh, be around, it's going to proliferate. And what we all need to do is ask ourselves, how are we going to make sure that the banks that are there today are protected and are assisted in their uh, crucial role uh, that they play for the shipping industry? Um, and I'm happy to contribute more to the discussion, but maybe it's better for me to... Kristen? Maybe. Maybe. colleagues, the floor. Oh. Can I comment on that as well? Um, because I agree, um, banks are an, has been the most important source of funding for, for the industry. But I would say that what we have seen over the last years has been a more sophisticated industry when it comes to financing. And that is a strength and, uh, for the industry, that it's more access to capital and diverse source of capital. And it seems like when some is down, some the money is coming from uh, somewhere else. And for good projects, there are always enough funding. Terms might not be what you want to see, but the access is there. So I think uh, the leasing companies are one source which is filling part of the gaps. There are other investors coming in. So I would just say that this is a way of making the market more, more sophisticated. I think. Uh, to add to that, um, the traditional banks have an important role in the flexibility of money, you know. Um, if you need um, a quick hunting line, you can come to the traditional banks. If you need an RCF for an IPO, you come to the banks. Um, so the flexibility that is of, of, a, of a bank structure can be um, is, is sort of endless, you know, it's, it's big. Um, and if, if you need money for a project, there will always be ways to get it. At the moment, the leasing houses in China and, and Japan are coming up with uh, large uh, quantities of, of money into the industry. Um, 
So I don't see that as a threat, I just see that as, a, as another possibility to, to get liquidity. Um, and I would use it if I, uh, if I had the right uh, project. The other thing is um, the low interest rate um, environment is, is having pension funds and insurance companies now coming into the market. So the private placements um, is, is a topic that we'll see in the next few years and it's happening already. Um, we have structured a few ourselves. So that's not balance sheet, that's just advisory and structuring work and finding the right investors. Um, that's a trend that will continue. So there's, for every project and for everyone, there's a place to find the money. I think uh, I will echo all the comments. I think one, one point from my end, at least as far as we're concerned, we don't see them as, as competition. They really are complementary to, to, to what we provide. So we are part of the capital structure. The owner the, and the corresponding company can have a specific business plan and there are specific occasions where either Chinese leasing houses or Japanese leasing houses or alternative finance providers are there and provide um, capital which is required for the corresponding company. So. Under no circumstance do, do I see uh, the alternative finance providers or, or anyone else, including the leasing companies, uh, as competition, if you wish, but truly complementary and, and ultimately, I, I'll echo Kristen's point, the, the most important element for a company, for an owner, is to have continuous access to capital. Now, whether that is through whichever way, whether it's through bonds, through, through equity, through uh, the traditional shipping banks, European and non-European, and, and of course the leasing companies. That's, that's, that's the most important element in terms of keeping the business going and uh, being able to, to, to withstand anything that the market throws at, uh, at the owner and the company. Maybe to add one comment. Of course, one, one of the biggest differences between all these sources is, is regulations. Yeah, so the, the central banks and the local um, central banks, um, uh, they make, uh, of course, an increasing um, effect on traditional commercial um, banks in this market. And um, there are other pools of capital which are less regulated. So I think that is a big difference between, between us and others. Yes, when it comes to regulation, and it's good you bring it up, I mean, obviously, we're going to be um, faced with um, a very different regulatory environment uh, going forward. Uh, a lot of it is related to uh, uh, Basel IV that increases the risk weight for a number of industries, including shipping finance. And that, of course, creates um, an impact, has an impact not just on the new business that is going to be created, uh, but also on the existing requirements, equity requirements for banks that have large uh, portfolios. Um, we also have to deal with IFRS 9 uh, and the way uh, the new uh, regulation is going to treat uh, pools of uh, loans that are in default or are going into, into default and that also coupled uh, with uh, the new ECB regulation. So we are going to see that it's going to be very hard 
for banks to justify not taking provisions if they need to change even an iota in the loan documentation or even if they have to, in fact, postpone installments or create some sort of moratorium around a loan. And in a cyclical industry like shipping, uh, that could be or should be expected, that there will be a time in the cycle that the cash flow simply is not going to be sufficient to um, um, manage the, um, the loan repayments. I mean, we've seen it in the past uh, crisis. So I think we're going to be faced with this issue going forward, and that's going to have a definite impact on the way banks uh, treat shipping and other asset-based uh, uh, loans. And that's something we together need to find a solution for. But it's having an impact on the industry today. And the only, on the other hand, the, there's a positive thing, um, in my view at least, um, as far as Puzzle 4 is concerned, which is creating again a level playing field between large institutions that use, to, um, um, that use the, the advanced methodology uh, versus small institutions that use the standardized methodology, because everybody has to go to the same platform, the same methodology uh, now, and therefore the cost of equity is more or less uh, factored in and it's much more at a, at a uh, zero base level. It's the same for everybody. Okay. Well, well, well <clears throat> let me move the, the discussion to, uh, uh, to a recent industry trend and talk a little bit about consolidation in the shipping industry. Uh, in recent years, there has been uh, significant consolidation in a number of sectors. Uh, from, you know, from my personal uh, involvement, I've seen, uh, been involved in some of the transactions involving uh, consolidation in the container industry and the uh, uh, offshore uh, drilling industry. Uh, do you see that these trends are specific to those sectors? Do you believe that uh, cons industry consolidation will continue into other sectors like dry bulk and tankers? A and do you view this trend as being favorable from the perspective of a lender? Uh, a number of the companies that have, uh, that have merged uh, have cited improved scale uh, and uh, the resulting improved availability of bank financing as a reason for combining. Uh, and I guess related to this is can, can small entrepreneurial operators obtain the financing that they need uh, to build a business? And, and I'll start with, uh, I'll start with, with Kristen. Yeah, yeah, could, if that's okay. Could you speak to consolidation? Thanks. That is a interesting question. It's also a dilemma that um, we need newcomers, we need new companies, we need uh, the entrepreneurial attitude. Um, so we have newcomers to the market. At the same time, um, we see that this, uh, the competitive edge is very much where you have the financially strong, the larger companies, uh, and with the new requirements for the whole industry, it's more challenging the smaller the companies are, the harder it is when you are less financially strong. So yes, the consolidation as such is an important element for some of the segments, maybe less for the tankers and the dry bulk sectors, but for some of the others, it, we have seen it uh, uh, as, as a good way of companies strengthening both on the commercial side and on the, on the cost side. Did you mention, did you also ask about the offshore? I, I, I did mention offshore that, that there's been, there, there have been a number of mergers in the, uh, in the offshore sector. 
And, and I would say that for the offshore industry, you would expect to see more as this market is coming off the worst part of the, uh, of the cycle. Um, we have seen less than we had expected to see, but I would say that for the next uh, 18, 24 months, it is both an interesting market, and also that's when uh, the companies can find good solutions uh, on, the, on the consolidation. Joab, any, any thoughts on uh, yeah. whether, whether this trend is favorable from the perspective of a lender? Sorry, could, we, could you repeat it? Any, any thoughts as to whether this trend is favorable? Do you view it as favorable from the perspective of a lender? Yeah. Yeah, I think consolidation is in the shipping sectors is a good thing. Um, and it's happening everywhere, uh, containers, but also in dry bulk. I think Starbuck has never been as big as it is now, and Euronav has never been bigger than it is now. And we see a recent bid for... Um, for Dorian by BW, so it, it's happening all the time, and I think um, that that makes a lot of sense because you get bigger platforms and they have more means to get liquidity, usually listed, and and use every um, trick in the book to to become more um, to become more stable. I think uh, for smaller companies, there is a uh, challenge. And that is, again, regulations by IMO and um, investments that need to be made on ballast water treatment systems or scrubbers, if you like, um, renewing the fleet. Um, that is increasingly costly and difficult for, for smaller companies, smaller owners. Um, so, yeah, th this is happening and... and at the same time, the dry bulk market and the tanker market will be quite fragmented. And um, new companies will also pop up, which is, which is great. Um, but yeah, so it's a good trend. Consolidation, can I, uh, from, at least from, from our end, um, consolidation is potentially a good thing, but as long as it's structured and executed appropriately. You could have companies merging, but if they do it through uh, excess leverage or creating effectively a corporate structure, a capital structure which is completely unsustainable, just for, for them to consolidate and just be larger, you know, under no circumstance does that make any sense. So consolidation is, is something that potentially streamlines quite a few things, but at the same point in time, only if it's done appropriately and creating a, a company that, that is there to, to, to effectively assist uh, and, and, and operate in the right way. I, I also, whilst the <coughs> it is indeed becoming more difficult for the smaller owners uh, to have access to, to the to the same level, I think, primarily, and I would, I would echo Claudia's point, which is, you know, capital, they, they will continue to have access to capital. It's just a matter of cost. At the same point in time, I, I do not see, if you have the right business model, if you have the right capital structure, regardless of size, uh, you, you will have access to some form of capital if, if, if everything is put together in the right way.
Yeah, a brief comment from Nordhebi's side. Um, for us, the challenge is, of course, that in our rating systems, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to reflect a financial strength of a smaller operator um, because all these ratings are impacted by heavy losses of the last years. So it's, it's very difficult to support a small owner in his future plans to grow. And I believe that's why it is so much easier to get financing on the larger level because um, there is simply more access and diversification to, to other sources. The traditional bank lending long-term funding for a small Claudia, owner. Sorry to interrupt you. Just, this, just I'm getting a, a, getting a note from the tech people that uh, the, the panelists should try to speak a little bit closer into the microphone so that it can get picked up for the back of the room. Okay. Good. So um, the point I take is that, that on, the, on the larger consolidated um, corporates, it's much easier to reflect the financial strengths in a rating result, small entrepreneurs, this is very difficult to find the right rating and to, to, to understand the risk. So um, I think all the banks here are long-term lenders, but um, we see ourselves finding now funding ballast water treatment installations, scrubber finance, LNG, whatsoever is ahead of us, so um, this is very difficult to find the right rating and then the right price on it. just wanted to make a comment as well that we've seen some uh, waves of consolidation recently. That may also be caused by the fact that there's a lot of external, uh, non-traditional equity capital and, and other types of capital that's flown into the industry uh, in the past 10 years, let's call it, and that capital needs to find an exit. And because the current state of the industry and uh, the lack of obvious exit for uh, large pools of capital that has been invested in large uh, you know, quantities, uh, I think we, not, we need to see that consolidation wave. On the other hand, my only caution um, related to that is that we may be able or, or we may be faced with a concentration risk. We've seen that in other industries as well. As banks retreat and they want to finance bigger and bigger companies, the danger is that you know, there may be a cycle that affects even the bigger companies as well. So what's going to happen then? In fact, what we're trying to theoretically avoid by going to larger, through clustering to larger companies may actually come back to hit us. So I think what I said earlier, which is a fairly well-spread and well-diversified portfolio and priced you know, appropriately is the solution to um, to uh, underwriting risks that uh, we're taking. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so I'll move to uh, global trade and, and uh, protectionism, some of the recent trends in politics that we've seen. Uh, has, has, have Brexit, have the policies of the administration of President Trump uh, impacted the behavior of lenders, and, and if so, how? And in your view, which sectors are the most susceptible to a trade war involving the U.S., China, uh, Europe. Uh, and I'll start with, uh, with, with Claudia at the end, and then we can go this way. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious that there will be an impact, um, especially on the, on the soya bean and the steel industry. Um, on the Cyprus conference I attended some weeks ago, I think there was a nice statement which says uh, the trade growth will not stop and freight will find its way. I mean, it's a matter of price. Um, and, but we will not stop the, 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 the GDP growth of, by, by having these impacts. So um, we will see how the industry gets along with it and um, maybe the commodity will be, will be more expensive, but it will not have a large impact to an orderly's point of view. Vasilis? Well, uh, clearly it's a concern. So, the, you know, there's no, there's no way of getting around the fact that if we do, if, we, if we're suddenly operating in, a, in an environment where the U.S. is, is hostile to, to, to China and vice versa in Europe, it, it's not good for a global industry that facilitates uh, trade. Um, so, therefore, you know, I... Clearly, it's a concern. At the same point in time, I, I, I agree uh, with Claudia to a certain extent that you know trade will find its way. But at the same point in time, to say that it's not a concern, I think uh, definitely it is. How severe the the differences between the, the various nations uh, remains to be seen, and whether it's more uh, talk, uh, more talk than than action. But ultimately. Um, uh, it, if, if everything that people do say that, that may happen does happen, then that, that will have an impact, and the impact will be, uh, unfortunately, it will impact quite a few of, of the shipping segments. Uh, clearly, first and foremost, uh, uh, the container side. I can also comment, and I very much agree with what you were saying. It's, uh, but let's also take a short-term and a long-term perspective. But what is clear is that what we see is an even less predictable world. We are, there are so many changes around us. This just adds another very unpredictable dimension. But the world needs the trade. Uh, it's a global industry. It will have an effect, but it's too early to have any, to make any, um, to have a view on really the consequences. It makes us all, more alert, it makes us all more concerned. Um, but short term, I cannot see it's having a large effect. It's more the longer term perspective that we can uh, we can try to see how the consequences will be and what that makes, uh, which part of the industry that really will be hardest effects and how that also affects the capital market. If I, if we look at um, the. Um tariffs today that have been announced, initially they relate to steel and uh, aluminum. Um, and if you look at the U.S., I think they import about 35 million tons of steel every year, uh, out of which only five comes from Europe, but another six, six and a half from uh, China. So if you add it all up, it starts becoming more significant. Uh, but what is even more important is that this is just the primary effect. The secondary effect is retaliation. And if retaliation happens, it's going to start affecting 
capital goods or consumer goods. Uh, so what is the impact that this has on uh, exports of U.S. cars or U.S. motorcycles, what have you? And even more so agricultural products, what's going to happen to soya, corn, etc., etc. So uh, if the um, retaliation does happen and if the um, uh, trade war escalates, there will be an effect. Although I think it's going to be transitory because at the end of the day, there will be new trade routes um, um, created that will substitute um, the, the ones from the U.S. potentially. But the only sort of negative, um, uh, big sort of negative impact that this may have is related to the fact that the U.S. Uh, uh, has a deficit of 350 billion or more with China, a trade deficit, and that's a huge uh, number. And of course, if that starts being affected, that will have uh, definitely an impact on maybe even more the container trade about finished goods. But it's still early days, and I think there's a lot of negotiating posture, and I feel that I hope that uh, we'll figure it out at the end and we'll continue to trade. Well, well thanks. Look, we have, we have about two minutes left. Uh, I started with a little bit of a hardball question, which was, are, is the, uh, are the traditional shipping banks partly responsible for the, uh, uh, for the last downturn? I, promise, uh, I promised you I would make up for that by finishing with a softball. Uh, so just on a personal note, and I'll ask you guys to respond you know, as, you know, each and as quickly as you can so we can do it in the, in the remaining time, what do, what do you enjoy about your jobs? Is it uh, the shipping community? Is it the international nature of the work? How has your client base changed since you've entered banking? Um, and uh, and what, what kind of advice do you, do you give to younger bankers who are entering into the shipping, uh, shipping industry? And then we'll, then we'll end. Harris? Yeah. Um, well, this is the easiest question. Uh, this, is, uh, this is just a fun industry. It's cyclical and therefore very interesting. Uh, every, every day there's something new happening. Um, every day new challenge for our clients but also for us so um, I enjoy it um, being in this sector um, it's fun it's fun clients fun colleagues international um, the international um, uh, aspect of this industry interests me a lot I had the opportunity to also work and live in, in Norway for for a number of years which is uh, which is something which uh, which is which is great um, and also being here uh, in one of the most important places in shipping. Um, it thrills me. We have a fantastic office here with great colleagues. Um, so that motivates me. Um, helping clients through cycles, but also um, in, in their growth and their alternatives for capital is something that drives me. And um, we're changing our team a little bit to accommodate that more and more. Um, and the entrepreneurial bit of uh, all of us in this in this audience, many people are very entrepreneurial, and I think uh, that is, uh, yeah, thinks so, it's great. Thank you. I think we have time for one more response to that question. Whoever wants to take it, I can I can join in, and uh, I think it's a privilege to work in a global industry. And coming from Norway, where this industry, the whole maritime industry, is such an important part of the Norwegian uh, society and our global footprint. It's, uh, it's really an honor and uh, to go from 
over the years from being a lender to becoming a provider broad base of capital markets. You are not just following the shipping market or the global macro markets, you're following the whole capital market. So you really need to be on all of it. And I think that is uh, what inspires me and it inspires the team we have and it inspires young people, young students to come into this industry because they find it's extremely fascinating and extremely, extremely also demanding which, which uh, I think we all like. Well, Kristen, thank you, thank you very much for, the, for answering that question. Thank you for, for the panelists for a great dis discussion. Uh, Nicholas, thank you for uh, organizing this great conference, and uh, everybody enjoy the rest of Posidonia. Thank you.